0: Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Do we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs.
2: Today on the Bears Nation podcast, Kevin and Kellen sit down with Chicago Bears Super Bowl champion, the one and only Tom Thayer. Tom will let you know how the offensive line is really doing. See you in the Super Bowl. It's Kevin Lapka. It's Kellen Garenstein. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Podcast. Powered by, powered by, powered by Betstamp. Bets. Bets okay, guys.
1: Show us what you got.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Bears Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lapko alongside the man, the myth, the legend, Kellen Garenstein. And today, <laughs> Kellen, we have a guest whose voice, I don't know how to describe it. It just, it bleeds football. It bleeds bears. Like, when I hear the voice yeah. of Tom Thayer, I hear bears. I just, it, it just, hear boom, it's immediate. You hear yeah. blue and orange, <laughs> Tom Thayer, color commentator for WBBM News Radio, Chicago Bears Radio, and former Chicago Bear for eight years, of course, member of the 85
2: Super Bowl team joins the show. Tom, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Excited for the start of football season. You know, I'm excited for high school season. I'm excited for the college season, and I'm excited for the pro season because I got my brother coaches the freshman program here at Joey Catholic. My nephew is a part of the coaching program. Tomorrow or, yeah, tomorrow night, Notre Dame, Ohio State play. And then, you know, it's NFL kickoff weekend. I saw that. I saw that. Come on. You know, you're, you're hiding it behind the light. But, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a big promoter of high school football because if it wasn't for high school football and all the time and effort that parents and coaches and the support staff or every one of these kids put into it, you know, Jeff and I wouldn't be broadcasting pro football if they didn't have the roots of high school football.
0: You're absolutely right. Kellen played at Homewood Flossmore, you know, you know, South Suburban School. Oh, yeah, of so course. Legend yes, of, of Flossmore, Kellen Garenstein. Um, but, yeah, we, we actually – I went to Ohio State. I graduated last year, and Kellen is currently there playing club football. So uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow's game. Tomorrow's going to be yes, a, a good one. But uh, <laughs> we do have the Bears coming up soon in just, you know, about nine days. I can't believe it's so close. Tom, this is going to be your 17th year. Is this your 17th year doing Bears radio now?
2: Well, no, it's my 26th year of oh, doing shit. the uh, inside in the booth uh, for Bears radio broadcast. Wow. Is
0: 17th with WBM or or how long have you been with yeah, WBM? I, I, okay. Yeah,
2: I don't know. My, you know, my first game was uh, when the Bears had a preseason game in Ireland. And I think um, that was maybe 89. So I've, any- I've been broadcasting longer, uh, longer than you guys have been alive. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. M- m- much longer. And let, let's hope, you know, this year uh, is one that's at least exciting, right? You know, Kel and I have talked a lot about, you know, there's a lot of different evaluations of this team, but the bottom line for us, based off what we watched in the preseason and what we saw at camp, you know, we were out at Family Fest, we were able to see some practices as you know, we feel like we're going to see a team that plays hard and at least a fun, uh, entertaining product on the field. Is that, are, you, are you feeling kind of the same things, as at least as far as what we see on the field, the product? Is it going to be entertaining at the very least?
2: Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be entertained. I want to have put a team out there that eventually wins the division. And I think there's been such a change of the culture up at Hallis Hall. You know, it went from Ryan Poles to Matt Eberflus. Both of these guys, everything they've ever said, it's come true. Matt Eberflus, the very first day he took the podium, he says, you guys better put on your running shoes. And you guys both play sports. You know what kind of threat or encouragement that is. And every single day, man, what Matt Eberflus has challenged these guys with, the assistant coaches have done a great job. The players have lived up to their expectations. Every time I listen to Ryan Poles up at the podium, I, I love what he says. He's mm-hmm. a guy that has football in his background and um, he, you know, kind of is judging what the, the talent, where the talent needs to be in order for them to compete for a division. So, yeah, I, I, I do, you know, entertainment, entertaining football to me is things being fundamentally done. Correct. Uh, great catches, great decisions by the quarterback, great effort by the offensive line and David Montgomery and those types of things. But I grew up a Bears fan my whole life. I want the Bears to win the division. So the thing that will entertain me is if they get in a competitive position so they can start competing for the division.
1: I think we both know that in order for them to do that, you know, that offense is, you know, we've got to pick it up from where we've seen them be at. And you're out at practice a lot. You're at training camp a lot. Do you think that the offense that Luke Getzey has built and the, the design of it is really suited towards Justin Fields? And can we see them take that next step uh, and at least compete for a division, if not this
2: year, then maybe next year. You know, Kellen, I, I think Justin Fields is really going to benefit from Luke Getze the most because, you know, when they drafted Justin Fields a year ago, they already put together an offense that was going to best fit Andy Dalton and uh, and Nick Foles. So now this is an offense since Luke Getze got hired, he kind of, in you know, um, discovered and investigated the traits and the athleticism of a guy like Justin Fields. And then how do you incorporate his athleticism and uh, everything that he can provide for an offense into the offense? And so it was a developing relationship. So going there through OTAs, mandatory minicamp, every day at training camp, you kind of saw this partnership develop. And Luke Getzey is a no-nonsense guy. So it's not only how does it affect Justin, how does it affect the receivers, how does it transfer to the tight ends, how does it affect the offensive line, and making sure that Luke Getzey and Justin Fields are on the same page. And I like the fact that I've seen throughout the preseason that Luke Getzey's on the sideline. So as soon as Justin comes off the field, they have eye contact, they have facial expressions, they able to look at that slides on their tablet now, this is what I'm seeing on first down. This is what I expect on third down. So I think the transfer of information from the source and Luke Getze to Justin Fields, it, it allows Justin to feel more confident and more positive. And the first time they were able to game plan was the Cleveland game this past week. And I think you saw some of the results when they do have a you know point of emphasis against their opponent in the vulnerabilities their opponent is showing them.
0: And I'll be honest, you know, we've come on this show a lot and we talked about, yeah, we believe that Justin Fields' potential is this and we're going to see this and that and this new system. And it was nice to finally see the product of that uh, against Cleveland, right? To finally see the numbers we put up, to finally see a functioning offense. But of course, when you look at the preseason, it's always taken with a grain of salt, right? And, you know, everyone wants to take the numbers and, oh yeah, 14 for 16, three touchdowns. That's great. But, you know, again, there's an asterisk, right? It's preseason. But I still think that... When you looked at what occurred in those three games, specifically that game against Cleveland, there are things to take away that lead you to believe some of what you saw in those games is what you will see during the season. So how do you tell those people who kind of don't really believe that the preseason is an indication of anything that, OK, just because of how many design rollouts they were doing, just because of you know the way his footwork looks different and his arm motion looks different, that the things you saw in preseason lead you, lead you to believe there's optimism for this offense during the regular season?
2: You know, yeah, Justin is a point of emphasis in where this offense can go and how successful it can be, but he's not a one-man show. I think Mm -hmm. when you look at the determination that David Montgomery runs with, being complimented up front by a really aggressive run-blocking scheme that they've inserted here where they've called this outside zone, but it has a lot of other factors and effects in this offense. You think of what Cole Komet can be and what Darnell Mooney and the rest of these receivers can grow into. So, yeah, it is the Justin Fields show just from the point of view of the quarterback. However, all these other complementary pieces, man, I'll take Montgomery with any running back in the league. Uh-huh. I know what Darnell Mooney is if he can be complemented by a couple other receivers. If they can get Cole Komet active in this offense in the red zone, more most specifically, then you're going to see the different, uh, you know, parts of the, this offense – become building blocks for Mm -hmm. Justin. And then you think, you know, Justin has the athleticism to extend that protection by a half a second to one second to one step. Now, if you're a receiver that you realize, man, if I can get open when Justin's scrambling, he's got great long ball accuracy. And so I I think that, uh, you know, Justin and his traits can compliment the guys in front of them and they're going to have to compliment Justin is as much.
1: I want to ask you about the O line as a whole, but I think one specific player that everyone wants to know about, probably besides Tevin Jenkins, is Braxton Jones. That's the guy that's protecting the blind side of our future franchise guy. And have you seen the steps that you wanted to see from him, as far as when we go to OTAs to training camp to actually getting under the lights? I know we hold, heard Ryan Poles talk about that yesterday, and they're really happy with him. Are you really seeing what you want to see from a fifth round pick that we're asking to start? you know, and protect this guy uh, versus a lot of criticism that the Bears are facing. They're saying that we're not protecting Justin Fields. He doesn't have the weapons. Do you think Braxton Jones can be that guy that really silences that and puts Ryan Poles in the map as a guy who really knows how to evaluate football players?
2: Yeah, I, I do. You know, there's a couple ways. You know, they're going to run probably a lot of 12 personnel, two mm-hmm. tight ends, one back. So they have a just a security blanket before they go out on a pass route to help, you know, the offensive tackle, just give him a hand of security. But the thing that I like most about Braxton Jones is he's a super intelligent guy, and his intelligence carries over to the podium and into football. And my offensive line coach when I was with the Bears, who's a Hall of Fame player, a Hall of Fame coach and Dick Stanfeld, he always says, look, I can't coach you every play. You need to coach yourself. Mm-hmm. And go back and listen to some of the interviews by Braxton, and he talks about what he needs to work on. Where his improvement needs to come from? What does he have to do better to become the tackle that he could ultimately be? How do I use my length as an asset? And then you think of go- I got Cody Whitehair right here next to me, and this dude is a rock. He's probably coming off the best training camp I've ever have, I've ever seen him have since he's been here with the Bears. So is he going to come out there and play like you know Orlando Pace, Week One of his regular season career? No, but can he develop strength in attitude, in diet, in weight room, in understanding the offense better and help himself? Yes. I really love the new offensive line coach, Chris Morgan, because this dude, he pays attention to the minor details of the whole offensive line that makes the entire group better in some of the, best uh, things that will happen for the future of Braxton Jones is they have an offensive line coach that can come in here and transfer helpful information on a play-to-play basis day-to-day game-to-game and whomever you're playing against he's going to be playing against Nick Bosa Mm -hmm. you know everybody knows about Nick Bosa when he's healthy he's a great pass rusher but now the offense isn't going to sit there and you know play okay let's not let's let's have some concern with Nick Let's run the ball at him as much as we can, and make him absorb some of the abuse. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for it for what uh, you know what he can provide for this offense, and the and what he can grow into. Be. I wanted to
0: ask you uh, about Alex Leatherwood. But before I do that, you mentioned something that was interesting to me. You talked about Chris Morgan and then how, you know, the development has been good for his positional unit. And something in the last regime that I feel like we didn't see a lot was development of of players, specifically ones who would come in. In this case, right, you pick up six players off of waiver claims and all these guys were cut from other teams. And what Ryan Pohl said yesterday was, look, you know, our belief is that we're bringing these guys in, and we have faith in our coaching staff to develop them into what we believe they can be and reach their potential, uh, whatever it was when they, you know, were drafted, what they were supposed to be. Being, you know, at camp and seeing how this coaching staff operates, have you seen their ability to develop players as, as you know, a, a pretty good
2: trait of the coaching staff? I have. You know, just take one guy for example, Tevin Jenkins. You know, Tevin Jenkins three weeks ago was on the scrap heap and he wasn't going to, you right. know, he was going to be traded or cut or wherever, you know, maybe have a different venue to work for. Tevin Jenkins has developed an attitude and a work ethic and been coached positively by Chris Morgan to develop into the starting right guard. And not because he's, they, it's desperation, it's because he's proved himself. And he's gone out there and competed in multiple practices and showed this coaching staff that he's good enough to start. And I'm excited mm-hmm. that for Tevin because, you know, w- when I came to the Bears, I was an outsider. And I just had to sit there and wait, up my, wait for my opportunity to pre- present itself. And I didn't have a close relationship with the players or the coach. I was sitting there just going to work every day. And then all of a sudden, the, my opportunity presented itself. I took advantage of it and I stayed in that place for nine years and it's the same thing with Tevin. So when you talk about, yeah, do I see that this coach has the ability to develop these players? I like the recognition of Ryan Pohl saying, okay, if he doesn't fit at right tackle, how is he at right guard? Let's investigate Mm -hmm. that. And then he comes out there and proves that he can play that position at a high level. And, you know, for, me as a Bears fan and the next offensive lineman I'm excited to see him uh earning that opportunity
1: yeah I'm excited about the offense too just to see what they can become but I'll move on to the defensive side now me and Kevin have talked about on this show before that I've said I think the defensive line is one of the more underrated units on the team when I went to training camp I thought there was just a lot of juice in those drills those guys were real fired up Al-Kadeem Muhammad was playing really well obviously we know about Robert Quinn who you know could potentially be a Hall of Famer. And then we've got two really, two young guys behind him. I was super excited for the Dominique Robinson pick. So tell me what you think about that D-line on the other side of the
2: trenches now. Well, Kelly, you know what you're looking at because the guy that's impressed me the most is Al-Qadim Muhammad. You Mm -hmm. talk about a defensive end that has instincts of everything he can face. Is it a run at him? Is it a run away? Is it a play action at him? Is it a bootleg to his side, bootleg away? he digest information instantly. And then he's got the hustle and the work ethic to either give chase or disengage with the point of attack lineman. So I really, really like what I see out of him. And then, yeah, we know what Robert Quinn's capable of the dude is a pass rusher. Unlike any others. I always think in my mind, if I'm an offensive lineman and I'm getting ready to set on a pass protection responsibility against Robert Quinn, I don't know where my aiming point would be. And I think it's equally as confusing to the offensive lineman he faces and So this system is, I think, really benefits those two guys. And then Dominic Robinson, man, his upside is unknown right now because (laughs) he's as good as an athlete at that position as I've seen in a long time. But when I was here in the 80s, Buddy Ryan told Richard Dent, until you learn how to play the run, you're not going to play defensive end for me. And then he learned how to play the run and developed into a Hall of Famer. And I think that's kind of similar to Dominique Robinson. You can't be one-dimensional because you're so athletic. you got to be able to do it all. And so having the opportunity to study behind Quinn, to study be- behind al Muhammad, to study behind Travis Gibson, I think the defensive end upside, you know, has unlimited potential. And then they got to be complemented by the inside guys, you know, uh, Justin Jones, Angelo Blackson and the rest of the guys that will hold down the fort on the inside.
0: I like what you said there about Buddy Ryan saying that to, to, to Richard Dent. What is that, – that makes me think, what's what's the best thing a coach ever told? Like the one thing that stuck with you the most that a coach told you, that you know you just never – because there's certain things as athletes co- – coaches will tell you something, and <clears throat> there's certain mantras or certain phrases that you'll never forget, right? You, you hear it and you live by it. You'll never forget what was something – you know, specifically from a Bears coach from being on that team that, that they told you that you just, you know,
2: it stuck with you. You'll never forget it. I say it all the time, man, and I preach it to young kids. And if you think you're beat, and what, what I mean by that is one time I came off the sideline and I messed up a play or something, and I looked at Dick Stanfeld, our offensive line coach, who to me, Dick Stanfeld, was the best offensive line coach there's ever been. The attention to details, what he can tell you about your job is immeasurable because it's not something. So I went back there and I walked to the sideline and he looked at me. What? And I go, I thought, I Dick, I thought he goes, Hey, don't ever say that again. Because if you think you're beat, you got to go there And every single time you break the huddle, you go to the line of scrimmage. You have to know what you're doing. There is no hesitation for thought. There is no, um, Oh, I, you know, he thought one thing I thought, no, that's inexcusable. And that's what I, Jeff and I say it all the time. If you think you're beat, because if you're a quarterback, you're offensive lineman, you're a receiver, you're a running back, you know, Walter Payton never thought he knew. And that's just, and that's just the case of it. If you think you're beat.
1: I love that. I love that too. I, I'll ask, um, <laughs> Just a, a simple, what, what was it like going up against that defense? I mean, every day in practice, there's Hall of Famers on that defense. There's there's legends in Chicago. We all know my, my family is really close with, with Gary Fensick. And, like, every time that name comes up, it just, like, brings back all the memories of Singletary and, and Dent and, and Hampton and, obviously, Walter on the offense. So, it, it, of course, going up against the defense, what was that like? But then what's it like, you know, playing on the same side as, you know, the greatest guy to ever carry a football? <laughs>
2: You know, that's a funny story, Cal, because I remember the the first time that I was with the Bears, um, I was in the huddle and I'm at the huddle and I'm looking across the huddle and I'm looking at Walter Payton and I'm going, Frank that's Walter Payton, dude. And I and it was that's the way it was going through my head. I just couldn't believe it. And so then they get in the huddle, McMahon comes in the huddle and he calls a basic play, and it's just a call the slant 45. And a slant 45 is an off-tackle play that I have a block that's instrumental in the play being success or a failure, In Walter Payton as a ball carrier. And so I go, okay, slant 45, slant 45, ready, break. We turn around, and I look, and there's the 85 defense. And I look, and there's <laughs> McMichael, there's Hampton, there's Richard, that's Mikey Hartenstein, Singletary, Otis, Wilbur, Fencek, you know, Dewarson, the whole crew is right there. And it just it it snapped me back to life in just an instant because I'm going, okay, I, I'm I'm now working myself as a part of this offense and Walter Payton's standing behind me, who is the greatest of all greats. But you break the huddle, and you know what it's like, you break the huddle, you go to the line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden you got Hamp and Ming are just crossing at the mouth, just ready to make us look bad. So it was it was a dose of reality from the instant they call the play to breaking the huddle to go to the line of scrimmage and then realizing what you have to try to accomplish against that team that defense with all, all the surrounding parts in place
0: on the slant 45 were, were you successful on the
2: play did you make the block was it a successful play on that slant 45 yeah. yeah okay yeah, yeah it it was but but it was it was a <clears throat> It was a working combination block. So I was working with Van Horn, the right tackle. Mm-hmm. We get movement on the defensive end, and then we work up to the second level, which was Singletary. So, And it's a drill called nine on seven. So when we are going to the line of scrimmage, the defense knew that we are running the ball because that's just the period that you were in. But um, because, you know, you have Ditka on the offensive side of the ball, you got Buddy Ryan on the defensive side of the ball, these two guys are going at it. Buddy wants his defense to look good. Dick wants his offense to look good. So it was the real deal. It was live football. It wasn't uh, – there was no joking around. So um, it's not It's not like Walter would have went for 75 yards. We were out there try, <laughs> trying to get, you know, four yards of carry for Walter, and that's what, you know, that's what we are efforted to do.
0: We, uh, training camps wrapping up here. What's the best training camp story you have from, from that time? What, what are some of the best moments that, that you've got from training camp with those guys, whether it be off the field stuff or on the field stuff, you know, there's memories that stick out. Just, just a couple memories and then we'll get back to other bears. things.
2: Uh, you know, probably, you know, the practices were so serious and we went, we went to my first, my first training camp with the bears, we went 22 straight days of doubles oh. every day in pads with conditioning after every practice. Jeez. So then we would go uh, we would have, go to dinner and then we would have like a two and a half hour meeting at night and then we had a half hour of free time before bed check. And we had like probably 35 of us had some type of scooters, uh, you know these Honda elite, <laughs> these Honda 150s or 250s and stuff. And so from the time you got out of your meeting to bed check, everybody would fly downtown on their scooters because there were some bars down there and we'd all get together and go and have beers together. And it was the greatest camaraderie of the day, but you only had 30 minutes. So it was almost like you bust downtown. You have beers, you relax, you know, it started all over again. So, (laughs) That, that 30 minutes uh, every night, and the thing about it is the only carrot in front of the horse that Dick would dangle in front of us is that if we had a great practice on Wednesday, he would cancel Wednesday night meetings. So that was our only time off, day off, that was our only reward. So if we did practice well on Wednesday, and then we had a couple of extra hours, then we would turn that town out. Platteville was Platteville was our stomping ground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty good, man. That's pretty it. good. Um, I'll get back to current day bears as, as, as fun as that was, we'll, we'll have to get back to that stuff sometimes. Cause I could talk about 85 bears or hear stories about them forever, but Kellen, I wish we were alive,
0: dude. Every, like, I, just, I know, I, I, come, I, I know. wish we were
1: alive, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a great time. But I'll, I'll ask. So Kevin um, did an interview with Jaquan Brisker and Aaron Donald's trainer from Western PA. And um, he had some, some great things to say about Jaquan Brisker. So I'll ask you about him and Kyler Gordon. I was a big fan of both of them coming out of college. I thought pound for pound Kyler Gordon was one of the best athletes I saw on tape especially being across from a guy like Trent McDuffie at Washington, who was, you know, fide first round pick. And then, you know, Brisker, really the injury is what kind of had him fall to where he was. So do the rookies on the defense excite you in the back end as a whole? Because I think right now that's a that's a pretty strong part of the team. I know I said I like the defensive line, but on paper, I think we can look at that back five and be pretty confident in Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Eddie Jackson, whoever's playing nickel and Jaquan Brisker.
2: Yeah, you know, one doesn't, one has to complement the other. So you talk about the defensive line, they got to put some pressure on the quarterback for these guys to perform at the level in which they can. You know, the thing that's excited me most about Kyler Gordon throughout training camp is because it's kind of an unfair drill when they do one on ones, Uh wide receivers against uh, defensive backs. Probably the most impressive defensive back that I've seen in the last six or seven years in one on ones is Kyler Gordon. He's strong at the line of scrimmage. He can make, he can get the wide receiver off his course. He can, you know, athletically stay with them downfield according to whatever route he's running. And then he's got a really good feel for the ball when it's in the air, both reading the receiver and reading the flight of the ball. So I, you know, I was going, wow, is there, are we getting things blown out of proportion with Kyler Gordon, or is he going to be this good? And Kyler Gordon is lived up to all the expectations that I've heard about him coming, uh, you know, coming into the mix. And then when you look at Brisker, um, he's physical, he's big, he can play in the box. He understands um, how to read an offense, according to down and distance field Mm -hmm. position, hash mark they're on uh, where their vulnerabilities lie. And then he's got the willingness to come in and light you up. And so I, I think I'm hoping to me is I'm hoping these young guys, Kyler Gordon, but Jaquan Brisker mostly spills over to Eddie Jackson, uh-huh. because if this defensive backfield is going to be what it possibly could be, Eddie Jackson's got to get back on track of where he was a couple of years ago. Oh, and so, yeah, I mean, you got a lot of pressure put on these young guys, but like um, Matt Eberflew says, I want to play young guys. And if these young guys can come out here and play like we expect them to play, then they're going to get their opportunity.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Jaquan Brisker's trainer said he, he thinks he has the potential to be a hall of famer. Like he, (laughs) he, he, and you know, of course, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. His trainer is, you know, obviously going to be a little bit more, you know, optimistic to, to say something like that. But the thing that him, Kyler Gordon, the entire offense, the the entire team have in common to me is they're all freakishly athletic. Like everyone on that team is extremely, extremely athletic. And I was going through it yesterday. I was going through the roster. I was thinking about it. I was watching some things. And I was like, I think I'd put this team's athleticism up with any team in the NFL. They're a fast you football
1: team. Yeah.
2: You, you know, it's, it's so different. You know, some of these guys, because of the transactions that have taken place in a couple of days, I'm still getting to know. But I think there's about 19 guys around from last year's team. Mm-hmm. So that tells you a lot about what the incoming staff thought about the athleticism of this team. And Kevin, you're saying it exactly right. I think the increase in the athleticism has, you know, the arrows pointed up when you look at Nick Morrow at yes. the linebacker position and how well he can run. You look at Roquan Smith in the will position, how well he can run. uh, Kellen brought up Al-Qadim Muhammad, how well his his instincts match his athleticism. What Justin Jones can do at that three-technique defensive tackle. So I do. I think that the athleticism of this football team is completely different. But now what I got to see is I need Pringle to get back Mm -hmm. in the mix because if there was a receiver that showed me immediate explosiveness and had speed that could scare defenders, it was Pringle. So now he needs to get healthy, and he needs to get back on the field. And all the other complementary pieces of Darnell Mooney at the receiver position, whether it's Pettis or whomever, EQ St. Brown, these guys got to come up, and they got to be the type of athletes that we imagine them could be within this offense.
1: I'll, uh, I'll, I will head off the field for this one because because me and Kevin we always talk about how I think most Bears fans do this and I don't know if you know this time I'm sure you do but we mute the broadcast when we're watching on Fox or CBS and everybody brings their radios <laughs> down and we turn to WBBM and we have you and Jeff Joniak on and like I said you know you two are, are the voice of, of orange and blue so what's it like working with a guy like that I mean I have memories of hearing you know, the Devin Hester returns and, you know, you are ridiculous. Like I have so many amazing, amazing memories. that I just reminisce about them all the time. So tell me something good about Jeff Joniak. What's it like working with him and how fun is he? Cause for us, he's a legend, but for you,
2: he's your coworker. So Tell us, tell us something cool about him. He, he's an amazing guy. He really is. And I'm, I'm so happy that his success, but nothing has gone on. He's the hardest working guy I've ever been around in my life. Um, the attention to details, the memorization of the names on a weekly basis, the time he puts up at Hallis Hall to be in front of the players to go to the open locker room. To We go to every single practice together, and we sit at practice, and we sit there kind of privately just watching every detail. We're fortunate that we get to watch the tapes of every single, everything that goes on to make sure that we understand Um, you know, what they're what they're going through and and being able to watch the games and everything so closely. Um, I just I, I admire him so much because, you know, when Jeff was being considered for the job, he wasn't the guy that was getting, you know, oh, you know, this is the guy that he deserves. And, you know, and there's other guys out there with bigger names with this type of market. Man, when they hired Jeff Joniak, they picked the exact right guy, yeah, and I am, admire his work ethic every single day. Um, and it inspires me because there's times where I'm going, okay, I know football, I've been around the game my whole life, I study it a lot, but it's you, you know I want to live up to his broadcast expectations because he wants a perfect broadcast, and uh, you know that's what that's what he expects out of me because that's what I see out of him.
0: Absolutely. And it,
2: it is perfect,
0: man. I, like, I'm telling you, when I hear this voice, like, again, well, Kel and I, we're both in our early 20s, man. So, you know, I'm talking about, like, I'm 11 years old. Mom's driving me back from the grocery store. We're trying to get back before noon. We're listening to pregame on the car radio, and I'm hearing Tom Thayer, Jeff Joni. I chop it up about Bears versus Packers, and it's just, oh, it's electrifying. You know, I, <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. But you talk about work ethic. And, you know, we hear a lot of stories about this team and this coaching staff. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff during OTAs about Darna Moody and Justin Fields, and they, they couldn't get each other out of the building and they, they would have competitions, right? Who could stay in the building the longest to like keep doing prep? And I, I just feel like this team in general, like, like they really want it. I feel like the work ethic is there. And obviously that's necessary for any team that wants to be successful. Just being at Hallis Hall and seeing it firsthand, you know, we've heard the stories,
2: but can you attest to that work ethic that this team has? You know, it's inspired by Matt Eberflus. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think that his message was so clearly delivered, and every single time he stands up in front of the team, they respect what he is saying. He's never tried to – there is no gray area. Um, and I think that the players respected what Matt was delivering, and so they wanted to work harder. They were inspired by what his me- – the, the message he was delivering and how prepared they wanted to be to make this a, a better football team. But, you know, Darnell Mooney, that dude's different because he's never – it's always about what he can do to be better, to get better, to improve, how he can work alongside Justin Fields to get to know each other better. So there is no I thought because they know, and that's what getting back. There is no thinking between the two. They know each other. And so um, I think when you have young guys on the team like Justin and like Darnell Mooney – and they work so hard and they put so much time in there and you know it's nine o'clock on a week night in the off season and darnell mooney is still in the peyton center catching balls from the jugs machine or getting you know justin to throw them you know it just it just doesn't happen a lot and when i was playing with the bears we didn't have this type of facility to go and work on an indoor facility and put all this effort but when you see these young kids that are so attached to wanting to be successful, man, it's cool to see because um, their work ethic is infectious and it spills over to the young guys. And so when you got a Darnell Mooney and a Justin Fields, and then you got Kyler Gordon and Juquan Brisker, and all of a sudden they see two of the most um, serious uh, veterans on the football team and their work ethic, you know, they, they're inspired because of it and they know what Mm -hmm. it can ultimately mean.
1: I'll, uh, I'll ask about uh, the glue guys on this team. Me and Kevin, we, we did a, a roster breakdown of the 53 the other day, and we were kind of shocked that Mike Pennell made the team. But when I went to training camp, they, you know everyone's like, Mike P is the funniest guy on the team. You know They put it on TikTok and all that, and he's just the guy that brings the juice. He's hyping up the fans. Um, is there a guy on the team, if it is Mike or if it's someone else, you think that just he's the one that makes the other 52 better or he brings the juice to practice or – he makes everyone enjoy playing football? Because I know it can get tough. I know sometimes that they get burnt out. So is there a guy that makes every day going to work fun for this team that you see maybe besides Eberflus?
2: Um, yeah, you know, a kind of an understated type of seriousness is a guy like Cody Whitehair. And Cody and mm-hmm. I were doing all access a couple of weeks ago. And early in training camp, it might have been day three, I saw him, he was being given a Veterans Day off. And I go, Cody, you know, and all the time I've been here, I've never seen you take a veteran day off. He goes, yeah, I never had one. He goes out to work every single day. So he may not go out there and be a jokester. He's going to go out there and set the example to the other guys that you have to come out here every day and work, especially if you're trying to get an offensive line to gel together. And so that's the process of uh, work that you have to have, but you know, you have the guys on, uh, the the defensive side of the ball, like you talk about Pennell and stuff that are, are fun guys that have a little bit of more uh, juice around because that's, (laughs) that's the way defenses work. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think this was a big group of guys that were, you know, really trying to get to know each other and the expectations that Matt had for them was so high that there wasn't a lot of nonsense. It was always about going out there, working hard and getting better. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, you get a guy like Cole Komet, you have this high expectations that are being thrust upon them. You can't go out there and kind of jack around. You got to go out there and, and put it on the field every day.
0: Absolutely. Tom, we know we got, you got to head out of here soon. Uh, you know, we got football nine days away and we know your enthusiasm for, how, how much are you looking forward to football? We're so close. We could taste it,
2: man. How, how much are you looking forward to that first game against the Niners? I I can't tell, you know, because what kind of bothers me, so I'm a Bears fan. i grew up in Chicago my whole life. I've been mm-hmm. around here and I'm watching the development of this team ever since they hired Eber Flus and Ryan Poles. It's been exciting to see what they what they are have been building. To me, I'm kind of like there's so you know, when you talk about San Francisco 49ers and they're saying, Oh, this is a Super Bowl ready team, they're not talking about Trey Lance has not mm-hmm. he doesn't have any reps at an NFL field he's a great unknown as much as Justin Fields so I want to see that Bears crowd fill up Soldier Field be as angry as they possibly can be <laughs> make that environment unlike any other and then when Matt Eberflus <clears throat> puts this hit, hits principle process into motion I want to see San Francisco to walk out of there and go whoa we, Hey, listen, man, we just faced a monster that we weren't ready for. And I think as much of it has to come from the fans as it does from the players themselves. You heard this. If you guys are listening to the show right
0: now and you're going to the game next Sunday at home, be loud. Tom Thayer says, be loud. Give the Niners <laughs> something to not prepare for. That's the one thing. You know, Chicago fans, it doesn't matter if they're all, we're 0-17 all or we're 17-0. They're going to show up and they're going to be rowdy. They're going to be loud. And especially uh, week one, you know, everything's everyone's 0-0. Everyone's got technically an equal chance to make the Super Bowl. Everything goes. Tom Thayer. We appreciate you. You were an absolute joy, man. Absolute blast for us. Thanks for coming on the show today, man. Kevin, Kellen, I appreciate
2: it. Let's do it again during the season. Oh, Sounds good, wait. Tom.
0: Looking forward to it, man. All right. This has been Bears Nation Podcast for myself, Kevin Lapka, for Kellen Garnton, and of course for Tom Thayer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. As always, Bear Down.